You're nearly a thousand miles away from me right now. A thousand miles? It's not that much. It's, it's not a thousand miles. I know. I was rounding up from like 650. But <laughs> you, were, you were rounding up several hundred miles, which is like five hours of driving. It's fine. It's fine. You were you were rounding up half a day of road time. <laughs> fine. You're 650 miles away from me. It just doesn't sound near as impressive. Okay. It's fine. Hello, and welcome to Nerd Critic, a real contender production and a deep dive into big movies from the dual perspective of critical nerdiness. My name is Jordan. And I am CJ. Jordan here is our studied and credentialed critic. And CJ is our resident nerd. Um, CJ, uh, I'm going to have to ask you what you're wearing because I can't see you right now. It's true. Uh, I'm actually wearing my nerd critic t-shirt and I've worn it all day today. <gasps> oh, that's the best news. That's the best <laughs> news. Can I ask? I have a guess, but can I ask why? Actually, no, I'm just going to I'm just going to guess. I'm just going to guess why you've been wearing it today. Guess away, my friend. Why you decided today of all days to put that shirt on other than the fact that we're recording this amazing episode today. My guess is because you were at a theme park all day. You're 100% correct. I yes. thought I actually thought to myself that today is probably the day it like for the foreseeable weeks ahead of me and the previous weeks that I've had where I will be seen by the most people. And you know what that deserves? That deserves a big old nerd critic logo on my chest. Hell yes. <laughs> and yes, it does. I did notice people looking. So even if they even if they've never heard of us, which of course they have, uh, they'll know next time they go online and they see Nerd Critic, they'll be like, I saw a very handsome man wearing that once. I'm going to look into it and they will be delighted. <laughs> I would be surprised if hundreds, if not thousands, of people immediately took to Google. To find out what Nerd Critic is because you just looked so good in that shirt. <laughs> Almost guarantee it, Jordan. Almost guaranteed. So, as you've probably guessed, listeners, we are not in the same room today as we record this episode. Um, uh, CJ is has abandoned me. I'm all alone <laughs> in Los Angeles. There are no other people here. This tiny town. CJ was all I had, and now he's gone. So... So for this week, uh, well, uh, we are we are recording independently. If you if you detect um, lower audio quality artifacts, or I should say lower quality audio or audio artifacts, um, you can blame the remote nature of our recording today. Yes, uh, I'm I'm in a very different location than where we usually record, and there is much less uh, uh, guarantee of silence where I am. So uh, we do and apologize, I, but I hope you enjoy anyway. Yes, agreed. And I'm also in a different location than we usually record. I'm in my apartment, which we have a great, a great deal on because it is in the flight path of the Burbank <laughs> airport. <laughs> so not only will, not only is my apartment, uh, are there are there stray sounds that I can't control in my apartment? But also, um, there are stray airplanes 
that yes. I cannot control <laughs> directly above my apartment yeah. somewhat frequently. So that's going to happen probably Yeah, if it hasn't already. Actually, several planes have flown already since we started recording this episode. Um, and I would be surprised if uh, this, this wonderful fancy mic didn't pick up some of that. So apologies. Can't, nothing, nothing I can do about it. Um, all right. So uh, today we are going to dive deep into yesterday. The movie that came out recently we're not, with our podcast time machine. We're not going to talk about what we did yesterday. Although, well, I, yesterday, you're going to talk a lot about what you did yesterday because you can't help yourself. I, I, yesterday, I did see the movie yesterday, so I take it oh back. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is... <laughs> that's very recursive. <laughs> uh, we better get a move on. Um, but before we do, some business... Um, CJ, I want to let you know, because I hadn't seen it yet, I watched Trope Hunters, and it was awesome. Oh! I loved it. Sweet! Well, thank you for I watching. Loved it so I'm much. glad you liked it. Here's one of the things I loved about it, okay? So, Angela put little captions of text that popped up frequently, which I love. I love the sort of, like, subtextual editorial text that pops up that sort of in a slightly different voice from the person that's on the screen. I think that's just a really fun little like YouTube video thing. Um, but she did, <laughs> she did it in a way where sometimes it would be like, it would be like 20 words of text that would <laughs> be on the screen for like a half a second or less. <laughs> and so it forces you to go back and I'm pretty sure this was intentional. <laughs> it forces you to go back and pause the video to read it. <laughs> it's so funny. I loved it so much. Um, anyway, cause the video is like so high, so well produced and so well written and constructed that there's no way that kind of thing was a mistake. Yeah. So I'm, I just, I was just delighted. I thought that was such a fun video to watch anyway. Well, thank so you. Well, props I'm to plug that hard. Yeah. yeah. Props to, uh, Angela and, uh, Brie who put that together. Uh, it's trope hunters. You can, it's on YouTube. You can find that video right now. Yeah. Uh, also Go watch it. Get super excited for Stranger Things Season 3. Yes. Which is coming up. Anyway, what are you going to say? Uh, yeah, I was also just going to let people know that it's uh, also on Facebook, and I'm sure it's going to be in these show notes that you so wonderfully put together. For sure. For absolute certain sure. Um, <laughs> Sweet. So, the, yeah, just uh, the, so I, I wasn't 100% sure of how the format worked on that show. Um, it turns out that the episode, the episode or the show that is up is all about season one it's pretty thorough and and really fun to watch like moves really fast and uh and then there's going to be i guess another episode about season two of stranger things yes and then i'm and then i'm sure sometime down the road we'll get a season three uh episode anyway so it's really really great um the second item of business is that i screwed up again <laughs> in the newsletter i spelled Beatles wrong which is real embarrassing <laughs> and I just have to call myself out on that and let my shame just soak through this episode. Shame. Uh, I can't, yeah, ring the bell, say the word. <laughs> um, I am covered in shame. Yeah. Um, speaking of the newsletter, if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, CJ, then... <laughs> just kidding. If you haven't subscribed yet, listeners, then you don't get to make fun of me for my stupid mistake. Um, but 
you never have to miss another opportunity to make fun of me for stupid mistakes if you go subscribe. So you should, uh, what, what should they do, CJ? Uh, they should get on it is what they should That's do. That's right. Uh, That's and what they should do. And the thing is they, they don't have to miss out on the opportunity to make fun of you because the, the newsletter of sorts that you write is also available on our website. So if you don't want us to just be bugging your inbox every week, which... We are. It's very insightful, very good things that we're talking about. So we wouldn't be bugging you. But if you have that perspective, then that's fine. Uh, and if you're a lower quality human <laughs> who is bugged by our newsletters, yes. that's okay. Yeah. We will still accept you and give you a way to read the cool, awesome updates. And that is on our website, the Nerd Critic blog. Yes, which you can find on the Nerd Critic homepage. Anyway, yeah. So that's that. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is that uh, we are, as a reminder, because this is sort of new for us, we are doing 15 minutes-ish, including probably the time we've already record- recorded without spoilers every week now. So you can go ahead and keep listening until we tell you to, that you should stop listening if you don't want the movie to be spoiled for you. So we're going to we're, – we're, we're doing that thing now. Sweet. So, well, uh, let's, Stick around. Yeah. Stick around. Well, yeah. let's, speaking of, let's jump right into yesterday. I would love to – I would love to go to yesterday in our <laughs> podcast time machine. So, so tell us a little bit of uh, above the line from the movie yesterday. Okay. Well, obviously it's directed by Danny Boyle, um, which is why we did Slumdog Millionaire on Monday. Um, but it was also written by Richard Curtis, who CJ wrote one of both of our top 10 favorite yeah. movies, yeah. which is about time. That's right. Yep. You know what else he's written? Um, I don't know what else he's written, but the fact well, he that he's written Love about actually. time. Oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Love Actually. Okay. All right. I see yeah. Richard yeah. Curtis. Love Actually is not bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his be- I think his best movie, uh, and not, not, to, not to get too far ahead of myself here, but I think his best movie probably still is About Time. Yeah. Um, but it would have been pretty surprising if, if this had turned out to be, you know, like so good that I was like, well, it's better than about time. Anyway. So I think about time is his best movie, but he's a really good writer. Yeah. And so great. Anyway, I was, that's one of the reasons I was so excited about this movie. Um, and then some actors that our audience might recognize Lily James, um, who, <laughs> who's been in a lot. She's actually quite, she's, she's a, she's kind of a big deal now. Yeah. Um, she's probably, she's probably the most famous actor in this. Uh, if not, Ed Sheeran or Kate McKinnon. Yeah, I was gonna um, I was gonna say who, most famous actor like actor who who's who's actually an actor. Um, <laughs> Ed Sheeran, well, Kate Mc, Mc, you know, is not an actual actor yet. But and Kate McKinnon is an actual actor, but she's more she's she's from the improv sketch kind of world, and so yeah. she's been in a been in some things, but not not quite not not like the the kind of trajectory that Lily James has been on. And then um, I'm gonna mispronounce his name probably, but Himesh Patel or Himesh Patel or. Himesh Patel. Anyway, uh, he is from EastEnders, which I have never watched, but he is on it, so that's a thing. Um, anyway, so these are these are the people that you might recognize if you watched the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, that's. I mean, everyone else is pretty pretty uh, pretty lesser known. Yeah. Um, am I'm, I forgetting anybody? I'm curious if uh, if if Himesh Patel is related to Dev Patel, who is in Slumdog Millionaire. I don't think so. I no. think Patel is an incredibly common. Is it like uh, like Jones or last Smith? name? I'm I'm gonna guess. Okay, I'm gonna guess that that's true. I could be wrong, but in a very 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 
very cursory Google search. <laughs> I did not discover a relationship. So, okay. Um, very, I could be very, wrong. They could be related, but. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's dive on into the spoiler free uh, beginning of yesterday. So our our uh, cursory review, as it were. Yes. Of this movie. Yes. Um, can I start it off if that's all right? Please, please and, do. And I would love it I've, if you did. I've actually seen your notes, so I am fully aware that I'm stealing one of your bullet points. <sighs> but fine. But I I think that I felt it more strongly than you did, so I'm claiming oh, okay. it. Okay. Okay. I developed a little bit of an actor crush on Lily James. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was in. I was very impressed. I uh, I had seen her before, and I really like her in other things. But like, she really, she really showed up. She added a lot to the story, and uh, and elevated every single sh- scene she was in. I was very, very pleasantly impressed. I will go farther, CJ. <laughs> I will say she. I will say she carried this movie. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I think Lily I think Lily James was the the uh, the core in many ways of this movie, yeah. and she uh, as as an actress she was f- fantastic. Um, I've you know I've liked her in a lot of stuff I've seen her in, um, but I think I've never liked her as much as I've liked her in this. Yeah. Um, she was just really really wonderful, um, and just exactly what you want. Full of heart uh and just yeah just just fantastic anyway yeah um her character is the 100 percent winner for being the most interesting um person on screen at any given moment any scene she's in she steals yeah so anyway she was great uh, she she agreed, was she was fantastic and, and something that i think she uh personifies um in, in in her character uh is this like this dedication uh and kind of a, a a serious like like you take it seriously but it's kind of a it's a light-hearted character it's somebody that um that the stakes are all very real and everything is very personal um but like something that Danny Boyle does is that uh he's kind of playful in his editing and in his uh, filmmaking and in his music choices and uh, even with something as as heavy as Slumdog Millionaire and some of the things they went went in uh, went into in that movie, he was still very kind of lighthearted and uh, telling a story that you want to hear and that you want to watch. And I think that like I think a Danny Boyle Lily James combination is fantastic, and I want to see more. It was very good. Yeah. It was very good. Agreed. Yeah, I, I hope he works with her again. Um, they it clearly was a good combination of director and actor. Yeah. Um, well, I have to call out one other really wonderful Lily James movie. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give a shout out to Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which <laughs> okay. is All right. which is no kidding my favorite Jane Austen adaptation. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> Um, I believe you. I ab- that's what makes it so funny. So, <laughs> so much better than you possibly expect it to be. Oh, um, works as a zombie movie and works as a romantic Austin adaptation. <laughs> it is so great. Maybe it is so great. Maybe. And Lily James is a fantastic Elizabeth Bennett. Yeah. Fantastic. And we, maybe we have to do like, 
like a shotgun episode one of these days of movies that we disagree on. Cause, oh, because there's oh, not a okay. ton of them. Okay, are you gonna? I'm sorry. Are you gonna come back at me about Pride and Prejudice <laughs> and Zombies? Are you gonna come back at me? I'm I'm ill-equipped in this moment, but I did oh, not man. enjoy it. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> well, you know. Well, first of all, first of all, we would have to just go back and watch it again. Sure. So yeah, and yeah. and and who knows? Maybe maybe I've matured in my criticism. <laughs> Uh, maybe you've, maybe you've immatured. <laughs> um, I think that's a movie that you shouldn't bring a lot of maturity to anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. So last thing I would, I wanted to say about this, uh, in a spoiler free kind of tone, tone, <laughs> uh, my tone is very spoiler free. <laughs> However, I am going to lay out a lot of actual spoilers. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm just going to say that the editing and the overall direction was fantastic. This is clearly a Danny Boyle movie. I saw it with my wife. At one point, she leaned over to me and said, I love Danny Boyle. And I was like, yes, yes. The filmmaking style is just so good. Yeah. He's just such, an, such a master of the craft. The man has always been very uh, creative and fresh, and this, this is just no different. And you know you're in really, uh, really, really overly competent hands um, when you're watching a Danny Boyle movie. And it's just, it's a real delight. It's a real, real delight of just filmmaking. Yeah. Um, stuff just fits together in this, like, incredibly satisfying way. Um, I'm particularly thinking, this doesn't really give anything away that isn't in the trailer, but the scene that establishes the kind of big catalytic, uh, moment in the movie. Oh yeah, where all the lights go off and he gets into the accident. Like that whole sequence is so awesome. It's like so interesting and cool and weird and like just awesome. And then and it just keeps going. It's just such an incredibly good energetic kind of sequence, and it and it propels us forward into the next few scenes in this really really just. The, the word that keeps coming to my to my mind is satisfying because you just think, oh, yeah, this is so cool. And yeah. that's totally a Danny Boyle hallmark. He's really, really good at that at that kind of like surprising and exciting um, uh, cinematic language. Yeah, there's uh, we talk a lot about the the reason that we do this podcast and, and we're trying to fit in kind of a, a foot in both worlds of of being the critic and being the nerd out, right? With the extremes on both sides being the pretentious critic and being the <laughs> uh, love everything and, uh, you know, n- not have any standards nerd, right? Those are the kind of the, ex- <laughs> the extremes of both sides, and we're trying to find the happy medium. And it feels like Danny Boyle is that happy medium. He he has <laughs> he, is. he has this ability to be really artistic and kind of art housey while still being fun loving and uh, and creative in in a way that doesn't feel like he's putting his nose up to the audience, but is like yeah, like ooh, like it, it like he genuinely loves film. And he yeah. and he wants you to love it too. I really I really like Danny Boyle. I feel like Danny Boyle is, uh, and maybe it's just because he's British, so that's the thing that this is the comparison I'm drawing. Um, I feel like Danny Boyle is the is is what you wish Guy Ritchie was. Oh, <gasps> wow! You might <laughs> that sounds like that rings so true. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. amazing! I love that. My wife's gonna hate that because she loves Guy Ritchie, but I'm gonna tell her. 
<laughs> you do that. <laughs> you do That's that. That's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I uh, so kind of to to stay on the the theme of the fun fun loving brilliance. Uh, the Beatles, like it, the tone of this movie is the tone of the Beatles, right? It's like this. That's true. It's this. That's a great point. It, it, you know, the the Beatles are are brilliant. And then also very, you know, here comes the sun, doo 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 doo. Like it's very, it doesn't. It, being brilliant doesn't mean broody or serious. It can mean all sorts of things. And the Beatles personified that in their music. And I think that Danny Boyle does it in this movie too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the other filmmaker that comes to mind, the other British filmmaker that comes to mind that fits kind of into this class is Edgar Wright. Um, oh yeah. But oh I yeah. Feel like Danny. Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle's movies feel a lot more effortless than Edgar Wright's movies. Edgar Wright's movies are um, so carefully and perfectly constructed yeah. that you get the feeling that they were obsessively storyboarded and like shot listed to the point where every frame is like in the right place. Yeah. Um, whereas Danny Boyle, it, his movies, and and for sure he's. I'm sure he prepares a ton and I'm, and he, you know, he's not flying by the seat of his pants, but he makes his movies feel like he just kind of shows up and gets a bunch of cool shots. Yeah. Like that's how, <laughs> he does. that's how his movies feel, which is like so fun to, to be a part of. And that, and I love that point you made about, about uh, Danny Boyle and the Beatles being a kind of a pretty good combination because the, one of the reasons that the Beatles are so beloved is because they made their mastery seem effortless. Mm-hmm. Like they're, the brilliant songwriting and performances feel effortless. They feel like they're just four guys on a stage having a great time and inviting you to join them. And the reality is that these guys are have spent thousands and thousands of hours becoming incredibly good at what they do to the point where they're doing it better than pretty much anybody else in the world um, and so because they have that level of skill and craft mastery, they can show up and seem like they're just having a great time, which they are. Um, but you're witnessing, you're witnessing, uh, some heightened level of artistic genius, um, that comes with an immense years and years of work. And Danny Boyle is basically doing the same thing. Yeah. This guy has been around for a long time. He has done he has done he's done a bunch of movies and his movies have he's been aggressively ambitious and creative in every single one of his movies this is a guy who's put in the work to become the filmmaker that he is and and is so therefore able to show up and have a great time and make it seem like he's just there to have fun and and meanwhile we're witnessing just this fantastic mastery of craft anyway it's just really really cool it's a great great comparison yeah that's uh that was that was that was a great little monologue i'll probably use that as a soundbite that was gold (laughs) well be sure to use your end of it (laughs) because i wouldn't have said any of that without what you said um hey are we ready to spoil this for everybody um i do want to say one more thing about what that's that's not diving into spoilers yet um okay i i had an experience today um Man, I hope I don't offend anybody by telling the story, but I'm going to tell it. Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> Ratings, man. Ratings. Uh, it not like large not, not like large uh, offense. It, it would be like people in my life offense, but it's fine. Um, there I've I've discovered something. So where I am, uh, listeners, is that I am uh, uh, visiting my hometown and home state of Utah. 
and I am uh, visiting a bunch did you, of. Did you catch that, everybody? Catch that, everybody? CJ's from Utah. I'm from... <laughs> Let's make fun of him. Let's make fun of him forever. Forever. Utah. <laughs> yes. What's in Utah? A Utah boy. <laughs> uh, so proceed. I am. Uh, I'm. You know, hopping around, seeing a bunch of family, and you know, there's there's a uh, there's a lot of family, and you gotta you gotta make sure to to kind of check all the boxes. And um, as I have uh, made time to uh, take an evening out of my 10-day trip to make sure that I record because this is something that's really important to me and I am I do have dreams that I am chasing because or and this is a, a vehicle that can help me um, and it's and it's it's you know constructive criticism and a- analyzing a medium that I love that I want to work in that I am working in anyway I have felt some resistance and some a bit of a some irolyness to me taking an evening and uh, I'm not a musician uh, but there seems to be a narrative thread that runs through all like dreamer movies and this one this movie yesterday is no exception there, there's like there all there's always a kind of a misalignment between the dreamer and their support system, uh, and it's common in the chase your dream movies. But I think this movie probably did it. It, it felt more expertly crafted in this movie than others. This like the, all these people that uh, support you unconditionally. But in the same breath, don't like the words say, I support you unconditionally, the tone, the body language and every other form of communication does not back that up. And it can be really hard for the for dreamers. And, you know, our hero of this story who wants to be a musician, it's really hard for him. And it leads to a very, very funny uh, and kind of heartbreaking <laughs> scene, but uh, it was just really interesting to kind of have a an experience like to watch the movie and then the next day experience that very same feeling. And I realized I'm not a musician, but it's this dreamer. It's this larger goal, this beat the odds kind of uh, inevitable thing. Uh, and I just really appreciated it. It was like I like like thank you, Danny Boyle. I feel heard kind of moment, which I, movies should do, and it did, and I really liked it. That's awesome, man. Um, and I totally, totally get that. Um, and sometimes it's just the voices in your own head, right? Yeah. Like, true. What are you true. doing this for? What are you doing this for? Yeah. Like you, you, like you're you don't really belong in this space. You're not contributing anything meaningful. You're not good. You're not unique you're whatever nobody really likes you yeah um and that's also pretty evident here um as far as demons to cross i really quick so we're gonna start spoiling now um so we'll give you a a couple seconds to turn it off but before you leave i just want to say manage your expectations this is not a perfect movie and we'll get into some of the problems i think it's definitely worth your while i think that people should see this movie. It's a delight. It's a lot of fun. And it's uh, deeply meaningful in in a number of, of expected and unexpected ways. So definitely check it out. But also don't go in expecting like, uh, you know, like a masterpiece that will change your life. Because that's not what this movie is. This movie is 
more of a very successful and heartfelt diversion than it yeah. is a um, a really you know, sort of profound, moving cinematic experience. And I do. I I also want to give the caveat that. Um, it was for me. It was less of a Beatles movie than I expected. Uh, mm. That was more of the uh, vehicle that they chose to move forward a different story. So it wasn't. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't. It wasn't a straight up Beatles. It was. It was a heartfelt, more personal Beatles tribute, um, more than like their rock career kind of tribute. Anyway. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. absolutely. All right, so I think it's time to spoil. Okay. I think it's time to spoil, 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 and nerd out a little bit. And the first thing I want to nerd out about is that I, is actually a scene that kind of harks exactly to what you were talking about, which is that scene where Jack is trying to play Let It Be for his parents for the first time. Yes, man. <laughs> it uh, was so good. It was. I died. <laughs> like, died. That scene killed me. Died because it was funny or died because it was... Both. <laughs> Both. Yeah. It was it was excruciating and <laughs> hilarious every second. Yeah. And you want to jump inside that screen and strangle his parents and their friend to death. Yeah. You want to be like, you guys are the worst, especially his dad. And and they're so well meaning and they're so nice, but my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was like calculated perfectly to just drive you up the wall. And it's what is and it was yeah. it was so, it was so good because it was like a lot of these movies it'll be a it'll be a song like an original song that you know maybe we just heard and it's really brilliant and he wants to share it with his parents and they get distracted but they, but they took it up a level and and it's like we're going to try and show it, you let it be by the one of the like, greatest <laughs> beatles songs of and all time and you just have no idea what you're listening to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah amazing brutal amazing brutal so great yeah um I have to just geek out a little bit really quick before I forget about Win- about Winston from New Girl. <laughs> what the a- actor, Lamorne Morris, as the head of marketing. He's so, so awesome. So Every good. moment with that guy on screen is a pleasure. Um, <laughs> I I love him so much, <laughs> and I'm so I wish he had more time in this movie. But I get I get his sort of like you know. His scene, there wasn't really room for him in any other part of the movie. Yeah. But man, what a great scene! <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded changing him and Kate McKinnon. Like, yeah, that, yeah. like that. I think, yeah, it would have been. He great. would have been more a more interesting, I think, choice in many ways than Kate McKinnon. Yeah. I, for for the record, I really loved Kate McKinnon in the first few scenes that she was in. Yeah, really loved it. I was like, oh man, this is such a cool character. She is like nailing it with this weird kind of creepy bizarre performance um <laughs> where she seems kind of like a predator it's just really it's pretty great yeah. i really really love what she was doing uh it kind of fell off for me a little later sure um but but i really did love i really did love what she did in the beginning and i, I wouldn't have been upset if they had switched her and uh winston because i'm always going to call him winston yes. because <laughs> that's one of the greatest characters on tv ever yeah so yeah i agree <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I was, inc- I was really impressed with kind of the, the world that they built around Hollywood and the music industry. Cause it was like, cause it, cause one, it did it, this movie fell into the, 
extremely large pool of movies that glamorize Hollywood, especially with like the opening montage, right? Like they're driving sure. in, in taxis and they're looking up at palm trees and Hollywood Boulevard is perfectly clean. And you know, it's like all these things that just are not the case. If you go to Hollywood Boulevard, it is, it is not it's pretty gross. It's super <laughs> gross. It is not glamorous <laughs> in any way. Uh, but then they kind of stop that and they're like through all of this glitz and glamor, like these are kind of terrible people <laughs> and they value <laughs> yeah. all of the wrong things. And it, it was an interesting is, kind of world. Yeah. Which is not, um, it's not, it's, this is not breaking new ground here. It's just sort of treating it, um, with a sort of expected respect on both ends. Like, it's pretty great to have somebody notice you and then become almost instantly rich and famous based on your talent. Like, that's pretty cool and can happen if you're lucky or whatever. Um, or if you are the only person in the world that knows all the Beatles songs. Um, so so there's, so that's pretty cool uh, and it can be pretty great. But also, yeah, it's, it's, it's this really sort of grimy crappy kind of totally money obsessed like artless yeah facade of horrors um and that's you know all those things have been well established in many many movies up to this point so it's not like this was doing anything new but it did it well enough that like it wasn't distracting or annoying yeah and, which is impressive and again so, going back to danny boyle's ability to be serious, like uh, solidify story seriously, but also being fun loving. He did it extremely well with the, the, this industry. It was like this, it was like you were kind Absolutely. of making fun of it and it was really fun and funny to be there. Even though you knew how terrible it was, it was the, that's why they got Winston from new girl to be the marketing head of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody gives a pitch like Winston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody, nobody in the world. It's true. Um, it's true. So I, I actually really, uh, loved that there was no real explanation for what happened and why. <laughs> like, why did the world suddenly... Why did several really important uh, intellectual properties just stop existing yeah. forever? Yeah. Like, what, like what, And the fact that it dug a little deeper and then you found out that um, John Lennon had never been a Beatle and had never been assassinated and that it was just... Uh, that was just it. And here you are in this world where the Beatles literally never existed to the point that John Lennon as a person just grew up to be like a, sh a shore, just a, a man who lived alone on the shore. <laughs> like It's just such a weird, it's, I loved that it was so sort of unapologetically silly about the premise yeah. that there's this cascade of things that suddenly didn't exist like Coke and cigarettes yeah. and Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, it's every every time something was revealed, it was it served to establish what this movie was doing, which is we're not giving you any explanation, just that in this one night, all these things disappeared, and only a handful of people in the world remember, remember them, and that's it. Yeah. Like no explanation, and you don't really need one. Like that's not what the movie's about at all. Yeah, and so I really appreciated the sort of bravery of sticking to the mystery of that conceit. Like we don't need to explain why the thing happened. We don't need somebody to go back and try to see if they can undo what had been done because none of that is anywhere near the point of why this movie got made. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I really liked it. It's kind of like this big, hilarious uh, thought experiment. Yeah. Um, it was just really, really fun. I mean, it was the epitome of, dude, what if people just like forgot about, like, what if the Beatles like never existed, but like you could remember? It's like two dudes just hanging out in a room and they're like, <laughs> that'd, be a, yeah. that'd be a cool movie. Yeah. But this is the epitome of like a high concept setup. Right. Yeah. Like this is this is a high concept movie that stays a purely high concept movie all the way through to production yeah. and release. Yes. Yes, <laughs> like, it is. It's fantastic. Um, I something that I think kind of segues well to to that nerd out is that they I really enjoy that pretty regularly they didn't take the easy way out because like the easy way out right is this like the easy writing that you would do like you said would be to try and figure out why people have forgotten about the Beatles and try and fix it right that's like that's where I think everyone's minds go when they think about a movie where the world is for didn't know about the Beatles but then another step to that is like they build up through this entire movie they build up uh to to these uh, two people that seemingly know remember the Beatles, and yeah. then they're in- oh, I love that build up. By yeah, the way, I love the build that up was, was so great. Was great, and then the, you know in the press conference, and she holds up a yellow submarine. James- yes, like uh, and James Carden. Yes, yeah. and, and the <laughs> yes when he's like. Did, so, so did you write all these yourself? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Did you? Did did, did you? <laughs> Which James Corden would never do. Like, <laughs> oh no, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so, it's so, <laughs> it's so like abrasive yeah, and like, like gotcha. Yeah. yeah, and it's oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And and for that, I, you kind of at one point you knew it was going to be a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. Um, it was just so. It was so. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. it's great. Uh, so that. yeah. Anyway, the 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 they didn't take the easy way out in that these two people that remember the Beatles and seemingly there's only those three in the world is that they're not upset and they don't expose yeah. him because that would be the easy way out, right? They expose yeah. him, then he has to. We're face, gonna tell everybody you're a hoax, you're a fraud, exactly. And, and then, then he has to fi- he has to figure, figure to it out, and then he has to yeah. apologize and all that. But they go to him and they thank him. And it was, mm-hmm. and and so it, the entire responsibility, everything about the situation, still lies on his shoulders, and he has to make a choice instead of being, the, having the choice ripped out of him or ripped away from him. Uh, I Agreed. love that they made that choice. Agreed. I really, really love that premise. I really love the way that the plot kind of carries him into this moment where it's still, it's it's really all about who he wants to be and what he wants to do with what he's been given. And um, I, so I, I, I'm going to choose this moment to bring up a, um, some problems that I have with the movie. Um, so I don't really love the way it ended as far as like a climactic scene goes. And I'm curious about how, what you, what, how did you feel about that ending? Like when you kind of, when it kind of became clear what he was about to do, you know, yeah. he calls in a favor, Ed Sheeran, can I come play a few songs? And then, you know, positions, uh, uh, what's her name in the movie? Lily James's character. Um, oh, this is embarrassing. This always happens to me. I'm such. I'm, my my memory is just so catastrophically bad uh, that it just ruins. It repeatedly her, her name ruins is Ellie. movies. Ellie uh, repeatedly ruins these episodes for me. <laughs> um, so Ellie, uh, he positions her in front of a camera, and then he um, and then he tells everybody. Hey, by the way, I didn't write these songs. These four great, amazing dudes did in this band called the Beatles. And so now I'm uploading them to the world so that you can all have them for free. I just, to me, 
it felt like here's a bunch of information that will have no that that will have no context for any of you, <laughs> and like in terms of the actual people he's talking to in that audience, they who've never heard those four names in their lives and have no idea what he's talking about. But it's this big cathartic moment for him, and it to me it just feels a little bit trite, hammy, confusing, and ultimately sort of unsatisfying for the audience. It's like. Well, I'm glad you seem to be satisfied with that, but also I feel like I think less of him as a character for feeling satisfied with that ending. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me read you just word for word my notes directly under criticism, okay? Okay. Didn't like the ending. It wasn't <laughs> satisfying. It, <laughs> it seemed uh, he just verbally had to confirm all of his problems, and then they went away. He didn't have to address yeah. anything. Didn't love that. That was that, yeah. that was my first note where it did. It felt, it felt like it was like, hey, let me just acknowledge this. And once I do that, I can literally run away with the woman I love, and all will be well. And um, it was not... And I think because it was so quick uh, and... Uh, there was no resolution. It wasn't satisfying for the audience at all. Um, and I and I think in that moment for me, uh, it changed from a really compelling situation, uh, and you could say story, a really compelling story, to all of a sudden to me it became a pretty cut and dry chick flick, and that was yeah. disappointing. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And um, it, it was disappointing because I feel like there wasn't... It seemed a little rushed. And and the, the, the sad thing, too, was that I, I liked the idea behind it. I liked the thematic thrust behind that decision. Um, so the idea here is that, uh, that art is a gift, right? And the way that Jack feels about the art that he is creating on the back of the Beatles, basically, is a little bit like the way all great artists feel, that their art really isn't theirs specifically, that they are instead a kind of conduit through which inspiration passes. Um, and so they can't fully own what they create. And the best artists sort of do their best to let it out through themselves into the world, right? Yeah. And so... Um, and so really, in a very literal way, Jack is that person. He's doing that thing. He is, he is behaving as a conduit for great art, for, for art that we know is great, that is established as great, that there is no argument that it is great, right? Like, it is universally loved. The Beatles are the best band of all time, sure, right? Like, no one's going to really argue with that because you, you, you kind of can't, right? Yeah. So... If you take all of the music that they've made, all of their best music, and you bottle it up, then you can say, this is, a, this is great art. Okay, now if you minus out everyone's memories of everything that ever happened and then, and then had one or two or three people remember what that was so that they could pour that bottle back out into the world, then that's exactly what's happening with Jack. And so he cannot feel ownership over his art. So the thing is that, like, once again, thematically, I think this is a really cool idea. And I would have loved to have seen it treated in a slightly more satisfying way because I think it's an important idea, which is if you're an artist and you feel driven, 
to produce art that you believe belongs in the world, then on some level, you can't fully own it in a kind of ego-driven way, right? Yeah. And I think that's the... That's the great sort of theme that, un- that, that, that undergirds this movie. It was probably one of the primary driving forces behind the whole writing of it, right? Like when we get from the, from the beginning all the way to the end, um, uh, Jack's character serves as this thematic vehicle to represent artists who struggle with the production of art and what that means for them and what that means in their, their relationship with the rest of the world and the people who love them and the people they love. And so all of that is really, really cool uh on paper and really cool for discussion points afterward but in the movie itself it didn't quite land yeah i mean i love i love that idea and i hadn't really thought about that i th- but I, I think you're right i mean there's a reason that um you know what the marketing team the fact that they named the the album one man only like really highlights that yeah. idea and that pain that he's feeling because he feels like it's a gift uh they didn't the fact that they uploaded it to be free to the world was very much a, a kind of an in passing fact. Uh, yeah. And also, also yeah. pretty lame because uh, we're about 20 years removed from Napster. Like yeah. <laughs> this is uh, yeah. truthfully, all music exists in the world for free. Yeah. If you want it, if you want it yeah. right. People are doing that constantly. It's not, unique it's not a unique idea to put your music out there into the world for free i think that's one of the things that was the least satisfying to me is that his big idea was to release his music into the world for free and i'm like okay many artists have had that idea literally 20 years ago radiohead did that for, for the for the first time so yeah not i'm not excited by your cool idea yeah. it's not satisfying yeah i i agree I agree. Uh, I do. I I do think that there is an element that kind of so that so it, it it attaches to this the the last scene or the the climactic scene uh, because um, well yeah it's it's the next point in my criticism that also applies to this uh, climactic scene because I I'm not sure that that. Other than Lily James and maybe like the friend that comes wrong along Rocky, there's not really a likable character in this. And I and I oh, say yeah. and I say that because like I I was really trying to figure out why Jack, the main character, the guy that I'm supposed to be really invested in on this journey with, and I couldn't and I don't really like him for some reason. And I realized that it is it's it's written his character is written so that every single scene he is stressed. And so I, I <laughs> never get to see him enjoy. Like, I don't think I ever saw him enjoy being rich and famous. And it was just always other than like that wonderful night with Ellie that, um, you know, when they hadn't seen each other and they got wasted and they sang in the streets, that was the only time I really got to see him joyful. The rest, yeah, he was just, no, true. he was just stressed and full of angst. And I was like, I don't want to be around you. <laughs> and, and yeah. then, and then Aaron, and then Ed Sheeran was like, Ed Sheeran was a pretty unlikable, super douche. Like, I don't know yeah. why that was, a, that like, was, did weird. you have to write him so mean yeah. <laughs> or so like, weirdly superior and yeah, yeah. I did not yeah. like and that. like this idea that like, like that. I knew there would some there would be somebody that, that would come along better than me and like Ed Sheeran's great like I love his music and he is a phenomenal like he's not really attractive so you know that it's his talent that got him where he is <laughs> but but you kind of want to step back and say wait 
so are you are you the best yeah is like that he, what we, is that what we're saying here? He, like he claimed that and, and not yeah. in like a in, in no way a humble way and yeah anyway no. i there was the, like i wanted more lily james because her character was so likable amongst all of these unlikable people yeah agreed agreed i have another theory for why um jack's character was not completely likable or why his character didn't really work for me i felt i liked him a lot once again in moments and kind of in the beginning uh or throughout even but there was a sort of a hard ceiling on how much i liked him or his i would say even his just likability uh i don't think it was just me i think this is kind of one of the issues with the movie in general um that and i think it had a lot to do i I really like your point about him being sort of constantly stressed because i think that's a mistake you don't want to have a main character who just stresses you out um it's not gonna make you it's not gonna be the kind of feel-good journey that you're hoping for um if our the the protagonist through whom we are vicariously living this story is not having a good time ever (laughs) um so that's that's one thing um and then you know, there's got to be highs and lows. You got to have a balance, and so I think having some highs would have really helped to also balance out the lows later, and and also kind of justify why it was a sacrifice for him to do what he was doing, rather than really just sort of, um, I love like like saying all the things that are wrong in front of a giant audience who doesn't understand, and then feeling better and having those things go away. Like that's totally what he did. It was like he had this big cathartic moment where he just word vomited the things that he was thinking, and then that was it. Anyway. Um, so, but I want to identify the other, the other issue I think is that his character had become very passive. So, uh, in the beginning, he's trying to be a musician. And so there's this obvious kind of, there's this obvious tension there where, you know, you're trying to get gigs. You're trying to, you're hoping people show up for your gigs. Those things aren't happening, you know, so you're still trying, you're wrestling with the idea of whether you should keep trying or give up. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm there. Okay, great. And then the whole sort of inciting incident happens and the whole world forgets about the Beatles and he remembers. And then he's feverishly writing all these songs and trying to remember them. And that's really interesting to me and really exciting and really fun. And I was totally with it. I was like, this is such a great scene sequence. I loved it. And then, um, but then after he finishes writing all those songs and kind of decides to take them out and start performing them, he basically from that moment becomes a passive participant in what happens next. Every step of the way. He just, yeah, Things just happen to him from that point on. Yeah, it's true. His character becomes defined by what he's not doing, which just isn't as interesting. So he's not being truthful about where the songs came from. He's not ex- he's not um, noticing uh, Ellie's feelings for him or reciprocating or addressing that at all. He's not, you know, all, all the things he's not doing are what defines his character. And that just isn't an interesting way to define a character. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, he, he moves forward into the, the climactic moment. Uh, and that's the first real decision he'd made for a really long time. Yep. And yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, and, I agree. and that is, and it's weird because even even the other moments where he's like, well, I need to go to Liverpool. I need to, you know, go to these locations or whatever. That Those sort of felt kind of arbitrary and unexplained or strange or whatever. I, I there was there wasn't a lot of narrative thrust behind them. So I had a hard time establishing his motive, his real sort of needful moment for being there. Yeah. Um, like, well, you've already got the song, so I'm not sure, you know. 
like it just wasn't really well connected. So once again, it was kind of a missed opportunity to have him be a really active participant in what was happening in the plot instead, just kind of floating along. Um, and once again, as you said, being stressed. <laughs> yeah. And for the record, uh, Lily James's character, Ellie, was the opposite because she, from the beginning, her motives are clear. And um, the and the conflicts that arise to, you know, in front of her uh, her desires are obvious as well. Yeah. And the reason I think one of the reasons we love her as a character so much, not only because Lily James is a fantastic actress and she's adorable to death, but because her character has a lot to do and has a lot of very clear desires and very clear obstacles in front of those desires, and the, it's heartbreaking to watch her become vulnerable and sort of rejected. And then in that beautiful scene at the train station where she says, it's not good enough. Like this is your chance, like do something. She's essentially defining what is wrong with his character for us and what is right with her character. And the reason we love her and the reason we have a hard time liking Jack. Mm, Interesting. That's great, man. That's, that's a great insight. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, I think I've said all that I wanted to say. How do you feel? Yeah, I I feel, I feel, I feel pretty, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm there. Sweet. I, uh, I really did like this movie a lot though. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to say, uh, for, I think, which is apropos since we're kind of finishing up our thoughts is that I really love the credits (laughs) and I really love the way that the giant, giant, giant typography filled up the back of the screen. Yeah crosswise from the credits i thought that was just super cool um and yeah i really liked it i haven't i haven't been that delighted by kind of basic credit typography in a while it was just a nice choice anyway so yeah i it was a great it was it was a really fun movie sure yeah it it really was do you think there will be a sequel called today and a third one called tomorrow I don't think okay. so. Okay, all right. Just curious. <laughs> but I am always excited to see what comes next from Mr. Danny Boyle. Yeah. And also, um, for all the, the the flaws in the script, I really do love the way that Richard Curtis writes. Um, I just think that he's he's got a really good sense of dialogue, and he's really good at constructing fresh scenes. Um, there's a reason that Love Actually was the first really successful... Uh, uh, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Ensemble? Ensemble, um, there, it's a story told in, in many different stories told all coming together kind of in the end. It's sort of like Pulp Fiction, but for romantic comedies. Sure. And, it, you know, a lot of people have tried to do that since and they've all failed. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it's a testament to Richard Curtis's ability to very quickly establish really good complex characters uh, that allows him to do stuff like that, and I, I just really love, um, I love, I love the way he writes. I really do. Yeah. Even though I had problems with the script, I really love just the, his personality or the way that he treats characters and scenes. And so I'll be looking forward to his next movies too. I agree. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, all right, our off the shelf episode uh, that will come out on Monday. Uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, Whiplash. And Whiplash. I'm incredibly excited for that because there is a lot to talk about in that movie. Yes, there is. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, and then, unrelated, we will be covering 
Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, which is there a connection between Spider-Man Homecoming and Whiplash? You you need to you need to uh, you need to retry what we're covering. Spider-Man Homecoming. No. That's the first one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home. There it is. Oh my gosh. There it is. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> one more one more ringing I was, shame. I was actually really confused for a moment because I was like, are we covering? Wait, are one? we going back? And I don't know why we would. No, that's, just, that's just me forgetting the names of Marvel movies. Yes, um, Spider-Man Far From so Home. Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, which um, is there? Is there a connection though I between mean, Whiplash and Spider-Man? I, unless Lily James somehow shows up, I don't. I don't imagine there being one. So, and that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Spider-Man. So, Whiplash, then Spider-Man, and then you can wait to find out what comes later after that. Uh, and remember once again that if you fail to see Spider-Man before our episode comes out about it, you can. You can anticipate 15 minutes-ish of spoiler-free content. You know it. So you can come back and listen and uh, not have the movie spoiled for you. Yep. And as always, if you have any questions or comments or recommendations for anything at all, please let us know. We are everywhere. Yes. Uh, And, uh, I mean, really, if you just go to realcontender.com, there's there's buttons, there's navigation, there's ev- everything. Everything you could ever want nerd critic related is on real contender.com. If you Google, if you Google nerd critic, yeah. you're going to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's all it's all true. Uh, and it, again, if you're not on our weekly email list, then what should they do, Jordan? Get on it. <laughs> I love just the the guttural. Oh, I mean it. <laughs> you you I mean do. It. I can feel it. I can feel it. Uh, and then and you know you know what else I mean? I mean I mean this. Thank you, Michael Bonmiller. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the music, Michael. Uh, and everybody, please remember to love movies like a nerd and respect them like a critic. And cut.